With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is time for the MLB Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. Of course, I am Jason. That is Adam. The things we the things we learn about each other right before the show, especially about Jordan. <laughs> yeah, still still kind of laughing from that. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, we are here to break down today's MLB playoff acts. We got four games coming for you today. We got uh, Miami at Atlanta, Oakland at Houston, Rays at Yankees, and Padres at Dodgers. I guess I really shouldn't say at. I should just say versus. Yeah, it, it was throwing me off yesterday. I was making my lineups, and I just kind of totally forgot they were playing in a bubble now. And I'm like, oh, Tropicana, and then I'm watching the game. It's like, oh, San Diego. Yeah, they, during the broadcast last night, they were kind of having the discussion of, so since the Yankees will be the home team tomorrow, do they wear their pinstripes not in Yankee Stadium? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's just it's weird. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, there's probably a lot of people who woke up this morning that maybe weren't watching baseball last night that are probably doing the, what the hell are you doing, Yankees, pulling my starter after one inning? Yeah, uh, that was that was me last night. That did not go as I hoped it would. Um, I guess, you know, it does kind of reinforce going forward that it's it's baseball's just going to be weird in these series, and you kind of just have to, to roll with it. Yeah, watching the game last night, it, it, was, it was very clear that the Yankees had not given the announcers any heads up on that one because they were just as confused about it as well. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the Rays get to half, but uh, Giancarlo Stan, man, the, the two homers he had, the second one was just a bomb. That series now tied 1-1. Of course, that'll be the 7 p.m. game tonight. Uh, but before that, we'll have two games. Uh, up first, we're going to have Miami and Atlanta. Break this one down for us, man. Yeah, so um, Ian Anderson back on the mound for Atlanta. Pablo Lopez going for Miami. Um, Anderson has shown really good stuff in his you know short time in the majors um striking out close to 30 percent of hitters has a really really good changeup that gets a lot of swings and misses so he actually has you know good numbers against hitters from the left side of the plate but a lot of times with pitchers like that you see them have uh reverse splits and give up power to righties hasn't really been the case with with anderson um he's done a good job against right-handed hitters as well so not really concerned there and i do think that He's someone I'll, I'll be looking to get to. I think the price point is is reasonable for him. It's a good matchup against Miami, you know, despite the fact, obviously, that they got the freed. Um, the, the strikeout percentage against righties for him is is much lower than it is against uh, lefties, but the power numbers are are still good. So not too concerned there. We'll, we'll have to see what lineup the Marlins run out there. 
Um, if, if they do, for whatever reason, go with a left-handed heavy lineup, then I think it actually benefits Anderson. Um, on the other side, Pablo Lopez is really cheap. He's only 6,900 on DraftKings. Pretty decent pitcher, um, but a, a tough matchup against Atlanta. I don't really think you're going to need to get there. Uh, there's, for one, there's enough other cheap pitchers going today. And for two, you can typically just find cheap enough hitting that, that you don't need to pay down. Um, so I'm not overly interested in Lopez, definitely more interested in the, the Anderson side. Yeah, you look at the the under 7K on DK, um, you know, Charlie Morton at 6,600, even though it is going up against that Yankees lineup, something that sticks out to me. Yeah, the 8,200 price tag on Anderson on DK is very intriguing. What, what's your thoughts on um, on the one pitcher slate on Fandle at 9,500? I, I still think he's actually viable there. Normally, it's a case of opportunity cost, but it's not as high on this slate because, you know, you look at the other pitching, you have Clayton Kershaw at the top in a tough matchup against the Padres. So it's no cakewalk there. Every other, every other pitcher basically is not as good a strikeout pitcher as Ian Anderson. So I think that, um, and, and that's assuming that Zach Davies is going for the, the Padres. I, I, I don't really think the opportunity cost is that high, like for a playoff for a four game playoff slate, the pitching is pretty bad today. So getting to Ian Anderson on any site, I think is a, a strong option. Yeah, you gotta imagine Kershaw's ownership is is gonna be pretty insane tonight. So um, you know, you gotta look at you know, Anderson probably will have some ownership there. Just look at what we have a, as a projected lineup for the Marlins today. Uh you mentioned about the left-handed bats. So right now projected, we only have three left-handed bats in the lineup. Yeah, um, so it's it's not that on its face isn't great for the strikeout numbers for Anderson because he has struck out 36% of lefties compared to 22% of righties. But you still have to keep in mind that it's pretty mediocre right-handed bats for the Marlins. Not saying they're bad. I mean, the top of the order, Aguilar and, and Anderson and Cooper, they're all fine. But it's certainly not a, a playoff quality lineup, I guess. And so I'm not really... I, I'm not downgrading Anderson, really. It's just that it would be better if those guys happened to hit left-handed. In terms of the, the Braves bats in this lineup, obviously it's bats that you got to pay up for, especially the, the top of that lineup of Acuna, Freeman, and Ozuna. Uh, any thoughts of maybe going with a stack of maybe, you know, maybe pairing a Marcakis, Riley with the top of that order? Yeah, that's something I like doing with Atlanta. Um, I did it a lot yesterday, and those guys obviously didn't really work out too much. But Atlanta's nice because even when they are going to be one of the more popular stacks, you know, you have them with a 5.1 implied run total right now, which looks like it'll be the highest on the slate. We don't have a line yet for the Dodgers game, but I, I assume they won't be higher than the Braves. They're going to get ownership, but the bottom of this order has power. Adam Duvall, Austin Riley both have power. Nick Markakis, not a ton of power, but he's cheap and just a decent overall hitter. So you can mix and match throughout this lineup without really costing yourself too much in the way of, of ceiling. Of course, it's it's not optimal because you're you're probably losing a bat for like Austin Riley if he's hitting ninth. But as far as just chasing home runs, you know, he's, he's got as much power as almost anyone in this lineup. So I do think that uh, using those lower owned guys at the bottom of the order to mix them in with what will be a really popular top of the order makes a lot of sense. Do want to mention that today's free MLB premium content over at awesome.com is our MLB ownership projection. So as you're developing those lineups and you don't already have a subscription right now today, MLB ownership projection is our free MLB premium content over there. Uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, let, let's say someone is just needs a one-off bat and they want to look at this Marlins lineup. Is, is there a one-off bat that you look at uh, that, that you think has some value? I think Corey Dickerson, assuming he's leading off, he's only 2,900 on DraftKings. The problem is that I think he's going to get ownership too. Um, right now on, on DraftKings, we have him projected for 18, almost 19% ownership. 
And that, that's kind of the problem that you run into a lot with the Marlins is that compared to the other offenses going, they just they don't compare. They're, they're not as good an offense as really any other team that's still playing. But the salaries are so cheap that they help you fit in, you know, whatever pitching and other bats you want. So like any of the bats from the Marlins that are relatively appealing end up coming with a bunch of ownership because they you know, project well point per dollar. So that's the problem I think you'll run into with Dickerson. I think he's a good value. I also think he's probably going to be higher on than, than he should be. Who's your favorite bat in the Braves lineup today? Uh, actually, Freeman. Um, Acuna obviously is is up there. But I think it is worth noting that Pablo Lopez this year has struck out 36.4% of right-handed hitters compared to 14.7% of lefties. He's done a really good job limiting power to both sides of the plate, but the strikeout numbers are pretty drastic as far as righty versus lefty. So where you're talking about Acuna and Freeman both being great hitters, I think I give the edge to, to Freeman here. This is the MLB DFS strategy show right here at Osmo.com. Be sure to hit that like button right now on YouTube. Also, subscribe, hit that notification bell so when you know a new video is up here at Osmo.com. We'll mention it later on today. We'll be hosting the MMA strategy show tonight here at 7.30 p.m. Each time. Next up, we got the A's and the Astros. The Astros up 2-0 in the series. Your Quito on the mound for the Astros. Lazaro going to be on the hill for the A's. Yeah, two relatively inexpensive arms here in tough matchups. Urquidy is only 6,700, comes in with a 24% strikeout percentage this year. Pretty, you know, decent pitcher, nothing great, but but he's certainly not bad. Um, potentially some concerns about how deep he goes into the game, just n- not because, you know, he isn't stretched out. He threw 76 pitches um, on the 30th of September. He threw 98 on the 25th. So he's fine, I think, in that regard. It's just that you see in the postseason a lot that when it's not an ace-level pitcher, managers, put, they're on a short leash and managers will get them out pretty quickly if they get in trouble. But at 6,700, that's not too much of a concern. You have a, a potent athletics lineup, but also some strikeouts in here. You know, you add Jake Lamb to this lineup. He's a high-K guy. Uh, Semyon will strike out. Olsen and Davis will strike out. Loriano will strike out. So there is upside here for Urquidy. It's a, a pretty big boom or bust spot, I think. Uh, so if, if I am paying down i don't mind going there you know again i think that it'll probably be easy enough to get you know kershaw anderson lineups in a lot of spots but i, I think Urquidy's okay um on the other side of the zardo not really too excited to go to him the astros you know say what you will about them as an offense this year you know not knowing what pitches are coming but their strikeout numbers still aren't very appealing to, to be taking pitchers against yeah. it's more of a more weak contact less power issue and that doesn't really translate to, to fantasy points so I'm still not really too interested in getting to Lazardo. Uh, but between the two pitchers, I'd rather go to Urquidy. Uh, in terms of uh, you mentioned you brought your Creedy, uh, 8100 on FanDuel, does that interest you? Yeah, just because again, I don't think the opportunity cost is that high. You know, if I can, I'd rather get to Annie Anderson. But I, I think that it's an unusual slate on FanDuel in that there's not a whole lot of opportunity cost at all at pitchers. So you can kind of be more free to just do whatever you want. And looking over on Yahoo, uh, Lazardo $35 and Urquidy's $30. Yeah, the 30 on Urquidy is is really appealing there. Uh, Lazardo, I mean, he's got good stuff. He's a top pitching prospect. It's just that the Astros have so much right-handed power and so few strikeouts in the lineup. So far this year, Lazardo struck out 23.3% of righties. He's allowed a 178 expected ISO. So um, pretty, you know, decent numbers in in both areas but nothing that that overwhelms you and it's just 
unless you're getting really low ownership on him and, and need a contrarian play, I just don't really see why you'd be targeting him here against Houston, especially when I think there's a relatively decent chance that um, they have him on a, a short leash here. Looking at the A's lineup and a potential A stack here, is there a particular part of the lineup that that you like? Um, Matt Olson is typically my answer there. Urquidy this year actually gave up a lot of power to righties. He held lefties to a .051 ISO. He allowed a 208 ISO to righties. If you go back to last year and include last year's stats, 181 expected ISO to lefties, 210 to righties. So he has actually struggled with right-handed power. Um, th- that does point you towards you know, Semyon and Kana and, and Chris Davis, who now is back to playing pretty much every day. But Olsen is still the the one guy that really stands out to me. Of course, if you do want to make a bet on these games, you got to go over to Odd Shopper right there at the top of Osmo.com. See the betting odds for this game, minus 125 for the Astros here. You said minus 125? Yeah, minus 125, yeah. yeah basically a flip. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, I mean, essentially about the same odds that you're getting on the Yankees and Rays games as well. So if you if you do want to make a bet on those games, you got to go over to oddshopper.com, uh, right there at the top of Oslo.com, I should say. Uh, in terms of the Astros bats here, uh, what what part, uh, you know, is there is there a part of the lineup that you don't like? Not really, because I, I think that, there, so they're a little bit different than Atlanta, where we talked about the, the bottom of Atlanta's order still having a lot of power. That's not really the case with Houston. Uh, Guriel, Reddick, Maldonado, not the, the most power there, but you do still have uh, favorable pricing, you know, $3,200 Yuli Guriel on DraftKings, $3,600 Maldonado at catcher. So I think that those guys still serve a purpose in your lineups. You know, it, it makes it so that the Astros are pretty inexpensive in general, but it, it helps you get to good pitching with them. But I do clearly prefer the the top of the Houston lineup to the bottom. Whereas Atlanta, I really have no issues whatsoever going to guys like Duvall uh-huh. and Riley. Okay, as you look at the, I guess the quote unquote value bats in this lineup uh, of what we have as projected lineup, Josh Reddick, 2000 on DK, um, Duriel, 3200 on DK. Uh, do either one of those guys stick out to you as a value bat? Yeah, just, you know, on a point, point per dollar basis. The problem is that if you roster Guriel, you are giving up your first base position. So you're not, at least on DraftKings, where you don't have the flex spot, you're you're not getting Freeman, you're not getting Luke Voigt, you're not getting to G-Man Choi. Like, it, it's, the opportunity cost is high to be going to Guriel. And then Redick, you know, the problem is just that it's Josh Redick. But, but 2K is 2K. Like, you, it's going to open up enough other stuff in your lineup that it's viable. I think in general, though, like just talking value, Houston's lineup is way too cheap. $4,100 for Bregman is, is just a mispricing. Pretty much the same goes for, for Altuve. Springer should be over 5K. So I, I think that you're going to get a lot of ownership probably going to the Astros. I'm pulling up the top stack tool now, but my assumption is they'll be the highest owned stack. Um. We actually have, oh yeah, we have them as the second highest on stack right now behind Atlanta. We have them with the fifth highest top stack percentage. So right now Houston is projected to be overowned. It's something to keep in mind just because, you know, I think it is a decent spot for them. They they do grade out really well. You're just going to want to make sure that you have contrarian plays somewhere else in your lineup, because if you're going to, let's say Atlanta and then filling in the gaps with Houston, you're just going to be competing with a lot of lineups. That's going to make it really difficult to win. Of course, uh, this is the MLB Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com, and we are sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV Upload and CSV Ed features. We are looking to play those multiple lines, make better choices, choose 
Yahoo Daily Fantasy. We mentioned about the price point. Uh, you mentioned about $30 for, for Jose. How much you like it there? Uh, $35 with Lazardo. Any interest in going there? Not really. Um, just not a spot that I feel very confident about. It's not even that I don't feel confident about it. It's that the downside is so high because I think that he's probably got a pretty short leash here if he does get into any sort of trouble. So um, I, I don't really like going to him. By the way, if you have any questions on these games, leave those right now in YouTube. We're also on our premium Slack account. We will get to those questions as we do go on throughout this show. Uh, next up, we got the Rays and the Yankees. Uh, we kind of mentioned about uh, what happened last night there uh, with, uh, you know, the opener the Yankees going with. I mean, typically you would, we think openers between these two teams, we think more of the Rays than we do the Yankees, but the Yankees did go with the opener. And uh, it was a, one of the crazy stats they mentioned in the broadcast. They were talking about how with the Rays, you got to get out in front of them early because if not, they just don't, they just don't lose games if they have a lead in the sixth inning. But uh, you got to knock on the hill for the Yankees, 6,800 on DK, Charlie Morton on the hill at 6,600. Uh, are, are these two of the pitchers you're looking at in terms of DK to maybe pair them up with say a, a Kershaw or Anderson? Yeah, it's not that I'm super confident in either one, but they're just cheap enough where I think it's worth it to, to take a shot on them if you are getting to more expensive bats. You know, if you're trying to get like an Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna stack and also get to Anderson or, or Kershaw, it's probably going to help you to, to pay down here. And both of these guys have good enough strike up, strikeout stuff that they can pretty easily pay off their, their salary. Um, again, I'd be a little bit concerned about the leashes here. Tanaka had his start pushed back a day. And, you know, we, it wouldn't be surprising at all if the second time through the order or especially the third time through, they, they just look to get him out. But he's cheap enough that it does mitigate that risk somewhat. Um, he, he did allow 1.38 home runs per nine this year, only a 20%. Oh, sorry, that's last year's numbers. That makes sense. Um, he, he does, in general, give up home runs. He also has decent strikeout stuff. 1.69 home runs per nine this year, 22.3% strikeout percentage. Um just, you know, kind of, you know what you're getting with him. Um, it, it is a cheap enough price tag that he can kind of absorb a home run or two as long as guys aren't on base, which is nice. Uh, so I don't I don't mind getting Tanaka. I don't mind getting to Morton either. Only 6,600. Um, of course, going up against a very dangerous Yankees team that I think actually is projected to be one of the more under-owned stacks on the slate. But Morton, we, we know he has good stuff. He struggled a bit this year. Um, velocity was down early on in the season uh, looking now to see if it, it had ticked back up in his, his final starts. But again, I think that there's a chance he's on somewhat of a short leash, but also the Rays had to use their bullpen a decent amount last night. You had, they, they basically tried to get glass now through six and he wasn't able to get an out in the sixth They So they had to go to their bullpen a little bit earlier. I don't remember who they brought in, but whoever it was didn't go quite as deep as they wanted either. So they ended up having to use guys a little bit more than they liked last night. I don't know if maybe that translates to, them looking to get Morton a little bit deeper into this game. Uh, his fastball velocity in his final start, his, his most recent start was September 25th, 93.4 miles an hour on his fastball. The start prior to that was 94.4. So he, he is back into a pretty normal range for him, whereas at the beginning of the year, he was down around 91, 92, 93 miles an hour. So that that, that is good to see. Um, I, I think that he's cheap enough. You can certainly take a shot on him. Just you know, understand that he is facing a very good Yankees team. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at that Yankees lineup, obviously Giancarlo has been uh, hot, and and you even look at his price point, forty four hundred. I, I I say keep riding that train. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And one thing that that stands out in Stanton's favor here too is that 
he, you know, anybody that, that pays attention and, and watches Sean Carlos Stanton hit, like the guy can hit fastballs. The guy can hit pretty much everything except for good sliders that he just misses by three feet um, because he thinks that they're fastballs. Norton or Morton doesn't throw a slider. He, he's got a curveball, but that's a little bit different. And he's, you know, primarily relies on fastball sinker. So I think that sets up well for, for Stanton doesn't allow a lot of power only point only about a 100 expected ISO to righties this year um, held hitters in general to 0.95 home runs per nine, but Stanton's price tag is still clearly too cheap for the amount of power that he has. Yeah. I was just looking at our ownership projections, uh, which you can check right now over at awesome.com. They are free today. Uh, you know, looking at this matchup, Tanaka, we've got almost at 40% and more than just a little under that at, at almost 34%. Yeah, you know, I just got to imagine this could be a, a, this will be a path people go to, especially on DK. Yeah, for sure. And and one thing that you can point to there, though, is that it makes the Rays and the Yankees stacks pretty appealing as well, because obviously there's there's nothing wrong with going to Morton or Tanaka. It's just, you know, winning tournaments isn't nearly as much about correctly guessing what's going to happen as it is putting yourself in a position to, to maximize your winning when something, you know, kind of unexpected happens, you know, it's there, there's not a great shot that Morton or Tanaka have great games here. There's a pretty decent chance that the Yankees and, and Rays have success. You know, they're both good offenses hitting conditions in San Diego have been favorable. So, you know, I think that if you, if you tell me that I can eliminate 40% of the field by stacking the Rays, or I can eliminate 35% of the field by stacking a team as good as the Yankees, uh, that, that does become pretty appealing in tournaments because I don't think that the drop-off going from like a Morton Tanaka to, you know, even a Pablo Lopez or Kidi, mm-hmm. the, the drop-off, like they don't project as well, but in terms of, of probability, it's not that much of a drop-off um, when, when you think about range of outcomes. You know, you, it was just kind of looking at some of the price points in this game. Like, you got Giancarlo Stan at, at 4400 and then on the other side, you have Austin Meadows, who we expect to be leading off, at 4300 Like, if you were going to build a stack with one of those two guys, like, do you have a preference? I, I love them both. I, th- I even think – so one thing, I guess, strategy-wise, with it being a four-game slate, I'm not particularly opposed to taking a, a hitter against my pitcher. Um just because, you know, if they hit a home run, it's not the end of the world. But one spot where that really, really stands out is Tanaka, since he does give up home runs. Looking at Austin Meadows or really any of these Tampa guys because they're so cheap, there's a pretty good chance, even if Tanaka has a good game, he gives up a home run or two. And you can be, you can one, you know, get good value in your lineup by by doing that. And two, your, your build is contrarian because so many people won't do it. If you have Tanaka, Tanaka has a good game, except for the home run he gives up to Meadows you're in a kind of unique situation if you have Meadows too. So that is something that I don't mind doing on four game slates. And especially if you want to even narrow it down and be a little bit more specific and target specific pitchers to do that against Tanaka, certainly one that I have no issue taking um, within the same lineup, you know, someone like Meadows against him. And you look at this Rays lineup outside of Lau, it's all very cheap for the most part. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, the ownership on Tampa will be lower than it otherwise would because of how cheap Houston is. People are going to prefer to get to Houston and then they can roster Tanaka and do whatever else they, they want in their lineup. So that is going to drive down ownership on Tampa a little bit. We have them projected to be the fourth highest owned stack in the aggregate. We have them with the fourth highest owned top stack percentage. But as I mentioned before, you're getting some leverage there because of how much ownership is going to Tanaka as well. You can stack Tampa up and with how inexpensive most of the stack is, you can even get to Lau really easily. It's not like that's going to be tough to get to. So you can stack Tampa, still get pretty much whatever pitching and one-offs you want. 
and, and have some leverage against Tanaka. So um, I, I do think Tampa is a, a good stack, and I do like their ownership relative to Houston. I don't know if we've really talked about game stacks a lot here, but if you are in favor of that, could this be a potential game stack? Yeah, no question. I mean, both these offenses have a lot of power. Um, in general, that's a strategy that I've seen some good players implementing. It's not something I've gone to in baseball, but I do think that there is at least some logic behind it because whether it's a favorable hitting umpire, whether it's favorable hitting conditions, sometimes if one team jumps out to you know a seven nothing lead, you're going to get the worst arms in the bullpen for the rest of the game, really from both teams. So with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There is, I think, some positive correlation to game stacking. Um, it's not something that I've gone the route of, of really intentionally targeting, but I have seen some good players that do it. So I think there's probably something there. Uh, but even just thinking about these two teams, I do think that it it has appeal because both of these teams are projected to be a little bit under-owned in terms of top stack percentage versus aggregate ownership. Um, both teams are, are pretty affordably priced and both teams have a lot of power. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised on the top stack. I would have thought they'd be higher than what they are. Yeah, I think it's it's probably just, you know, giving credit to, to two pretty good pitchers. But, uh, yeah, it's they're a little lower than I thought they'd be. Like, Oakland is, is higher than I expected. I kind of thought that, like, Tampa Bay and New York would be second and third. Of course, uh, this is the MLB Strategy Show right here on Ostomo.com. Of course, uh, if you're unable to check our shows live and want to listen to them on the go, they are a part of the Ostomo Podcast Network. All you got to do is go to Ostomo.com. It will give you the links to wherever your favorite podcasting platform that you like to listen to podcasts at. Now, our final game of the night will be the Padres and the Dodgers. By the way, once we get through this game, we will get to uh, your questions. So start lining those up right now in the YouTube chat. Dodgers up 1-0 in the series. Uh, when I was doing my uh, my prep this morning, the Padres had not officially announced who they're going to go with. Uh, you know, if you DK thinks it's going to be Zach Davies, uh, FanDuel and Yahoo believe it's going to be Chris Paddock. So we'll see who, who's going to be there. But we do know Clayton Kershaw will be on the hill for the Dodgers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Kershaw, of course, comes in as the best pitcher on the slate. Um doesn't have as high a strikeout percentage as, as Ian Anderson, but it's close at 28.1%. 305 XFIP um, doesn't walk guys, you know, really good numbers this year. The problem of course, is that he is facing a very, very good Padres lineup. Uh, certainly can run into some problems here um, against righties this year, 29.2% strikeout percentage, 130 expected ISO. So really good numbers there. I don't have any issues with Kershaw. I think it is interesting to note also that he actually is projected for less ownership than uh, Ian Anderson right now. On DraftKings, 55% going to Anderson, 44 to Kershaw. On FanDuel, 33 going to Anderson, only 23 going to Kershaw. So that is something to keep in mind where, you know, if you are looking to just kind of pivot at your number one pitcher, I think that Anderson is going to project as the better point per dollar play since he is a little bit cheaper and people will go there, but the range of outcomes is about the same for these guys. So that that is a spot that you can look to get to. Um, but any amount of Kershaw, I'm not going to be upset with. Obviously, the, the spot scares me. I mean... The Padres are really good, but there's not a, a lot of other pitching that you're going to feel confident about on this slate anyway. 
In terms of uh, evaluating the Padres bats in this, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers bats in this lineup, because we don't know who the pitcher is going to be. You know, we have two pitchers who we think it could be. Uh, how is that affecting your your analysis of of the potential spot of the Dodgers? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because if you look at Zach Davies, he has given up a lot of power to righties this year, and he's done a really good job limiting power to lefties. His strikeout numbers have gotten a lot better against righties because he's been throwing his changeup more. But so it's, it's basically turned into like home runs and strikeouts against right-handed hitters for Davies. Against lefties, he doesn't strike out as many, but he also does a better job limiting power. Chris Paddock, on the other hand, is giving up power to everyone, but especially lefties, a 231 expected ISO there, only a 20% strikeout percentage compared to 28% against righties. So if Paddock goes, you're going to like all the Dodgers bats, but you're going to prefer left-handed bats from the Dodgers. If Davies goes, you're still not shying away from the Dodgers, but you're going to prefer right-handed power like Justin Turner and Will Smith uh, and, and obviously Mookie. So the nice thing about the Dodgers is that their good hitters are just really, really good, and you're going to like them against anybody. But you will want to pay attention to, to who's starting just because you'll get, if it's Paddock, a little bit of a bump for the lefties. If it's Davies, a little bit of a bump for right-handed power. In terms of the uh, Padres bats here, we actually have them as the lowest ownership share in, in our top sacks tool. Um, but, I mean, look, as you mentioned just a, a couple moments ago, this is still a solid lineup. Yeah, very, very solid lineup. And kind of like we were talking about with Tanaka and Morton, they're, they're both really good – or not really good. They're both good pitchers. Kershaw's a really good pitcher. But they're going to get ownership. And even though I think it's most likely that Kershaw has a, a pretty good game – it's certainly not a lock or anything like that. So being able to beat 40% of the field, if you, if the Padres have a good game, like if you, if you tell me I get to pass 40% of the field because Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado do a good job hitting baseballs, that's pretty appealing considering how often they, they are able to do that. So uh, th there is um, some tournament appeal to the Padres. They do have the lowest top stack percentage on the slate, but they are also projected to be even lower owned than that. And you do get the, the added leverage against Kershaw. So um, certainly not, you know, not, not the spot that I feel the most confident in, in terms of likelihood of it happening, but I do think it gives you a good pass to actually winning tournaments. If you, you know, get a, a good Dodger or a good Padres game here, um, you should be able to get relatively low ownership on Tatis and Machado. And then beyond that, probably really low ownership on the rest of the guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at our, at our top stack tool right now. I mean, you know, you go San Diego Yankees and if some reason you want to go to the Marlins, those are going to be the stacks that are, are going to be the least owned. Yeah. Um, my, Miami on DraftKings is getting more ownership probably than, than they deserve still. Um, but in, in terms of just compared to other teams, you know, being low owned, but the Yankees and the Padres both getting less ownership than really their top stack percentage warrants. Same goes for Oakland too, which I, I kind of mentioned earlier. It surprised me that we have them as the second highest top stack percentage, but you know, Rikidi hasn't been great this year. Um, limited sample, but 1.2 home runs per nine, only a 15% strikeout percentage. I know I misspoke and read last year's numbers uh, when I was talking about them earlier. Uh, but, you know, so so Oakland right now projected to get less ownership than than they really should. In terms of uh, the Dodgers bats, who, who's your who's your favorite bat in this lineup tonight? If Davies is pitching, I think it's Mookie. If Paddock is pitching, I'd go Bellinger. What about on the other side with the Padres? pretty much always going to be Tatis or, or Machado. Yeah. I think that if you're looking to get to a guy from the Padres that probably gets a little bit less ownership, looking to Austin Nola at catcher when people are probably going to be going to Sanchez and going to Will Smith um, and going to D'Arno, you should probably get pretty low ownership on Nola. 
You hear us talking about all the premium tools that we have over at awesomeo.com. To get access to all those premium tools, you got to sign up for an Awesome Plus MLB Weekly Pass for $15.95. This gives you full access to our player projections, ownership projections, the top pitchers tool, the top stack tool, and so much more. You got to sign up right now. All you got to do is go to awesomeo.com slash join to sign up today, or you can go right there on the homepage of awesomeo.com. You'll see the Awesome Plus. Click that. You see Jordan. Put it right there on the screen right now. Show you how you can sign up for an Awesome Plus MLB Weekly Pass for $15.95. Uh, of course, we do want to get into some listener questions here. Uh, Jeremiah saying for FanDuel, Kershaw or Anderson? I think it's pretty much a, a toss-up there. I, I do think that if Kershaw is going to get less ownership, which we currently have him projected for, because he is $800 more expensive than Anderson, it, it makes sense in tournaments. Like I think the range of outcomes for these guys is very similar. I think Anderson is the better point-per-dollar play. I think he, he clearly has the easier matchup against the, the, the Marlins. But you're still talking about, you know, Clayton Kershaw. And I think that getting him at an ownership discount is pretty appealing. But um, it, it really, I, I don't have a strong preference either way. So it kind of comes down to what the rest of your lineup looks like. You know, I wouldn't want to sacrifice too much to get to Kershaw over Anderson in the way of bats. But if you kind of just have the money, I think taking the lower own Kershaw makes sense. In terms of if for a single entry player, would you prefer Kershaw? Kind of the same answer. You know, like I, I wouldn't. If I have if I have a contrarian stack and I don't really have eight hundred dollars to spend on Kershaw over Anderson, I have no issue just going to Anderson. I think he's in a better spot. I think he's a really good strikeout pitcher. You also one one thing that favors Anderson on Fanduel as well is that you don't get deducted points for walks. He has a ten point one percent walk percentage this year, so that can take some points away from you on DraftKings where it won't on Fanduel. Um, so I'm not like actively looking to get off of Anderson if I'm already contrarian in my lineup, but. If I have a chalkier lineup or if I just, you know, happen to have $800 left over, then I think going to the lower on Kershaw is the way to go. Uh, Jackson says, any value in trying to relief pitcher at SP2 on DraftKings in order to fit a Braves and Yankees stack? I don't think so. I don't really know where you would go. Like, none of these guys look like or are expected to be, like, pure openers. So I don't really know where you would go as far as relievers go. Like, I definitely don't want to go to, like, a one-inning guy. You know, like if you're thinking like Nick Anderson or something from the Rays, he's a terrible example because he pitched two innings last night. But um, point being, like, I don't I don't want to go that route. I, I, I don't think you need to either. I mean, the Yankees are not expensive. The, the most expensive guy on the Yankees is uh, Judge at, you know, 5,200. LeMay used at 5K. Um, I guess Void's expensive too. But like the, the rest of the Yankees aren't really that expensive. Um, Hicks is really cheap. Uh, Stanton is clearly underpriced at 4,400. So you can get to those guys relatively easily. There's only two guys on the Braves above 5K. Like if you if you go Anderson plus Tanaka, you're spending like 14, 15K at pitcher. You're going to be able to do whatever you want with that. Pretty much. Uh, Arthur says, besides Springer from the Astros, who else has a home run chance? I don't know if he's asking for from that game particularly or just in general. Yeah, I mean, if he's asking that game – in particular, which I'm going to guess that he was, um, Bregman would be the one that stands out second. Uh, Lazardo, 178 expected ISO to righties this year. Since 2018, Bregman, 199 uh, expected ISO against left-handed pitching, 312 actual ISO. So uh, obviously really good numbers there. Um, Bregman would be the, the second guy I look to. Uh, Daniel says, uh, any showdown advice, best captain for each game? 
I honestly can't give any on that. I don't think I've ever played a game of uh, MLB Showdown. I don't like Showdown games. I just don't. Like, they're just not my, you know, if, if there's only one game, okay, you're going to play it, but just, yeah. just something I don't like playing. Yeah, I think the thing for me, too, is, like, baseball outside of the World Series, like, you're just, like, never going to have standalone games. Um, like, football, you get the primetime games. And so, like, that's, you know, I'll play it for that, and I'll play it, obviously, for, like, NBA finals and stuff. But, yeah, I've just never played it for MLB. We, we talked about some of uh, the stacks that you really you, you like tonight that you mentioned. You mentioned about Atlanta. You mentioned about Houston. Uh, you mentioned about both sides of, of the Rays and, and the Yankees. I mean, do you do you foresee yourself going to one stack, having more shares of one stack than another? A lot on this slate, and I mean, it's kind of the case all the time, but, you know, as a tournament player, but a lot's going to be dictated by ownership, um, especially on a slate like this where, as I mentioned before, you just – the the – pitching talent is not what it normally would be on a four game playoff slate. So the range of outcomes for these teams is so wide because most of these pitchers, they're capable pitchers. Like there's no clear gas can going, but there's also nobody outside of Kershaw and to a little bit lesser extent, Anderson that you look at and say like, wow, that's a really good pitcher. I'd be surprised if they do poorly. So a lot's going to be dictated by ownership because the range of outcomes is so similar. You know, I, I think that there's not, a huge difference between the Astros, the Yankees, the Rays, the Dodgers, you know, in terms of upside and in terms of uh, probability of, of getting there. So if coming up on lock, if, if the Astros are projected to be really popular because they're so cheap, then I'm going to just choose the other teams and then vice versa. Like the Astros are low owned, I'll go to the Astros. Um, so the way it looks right now, um, looking at, at projected ownership, I would expect to get to a lot of the Yankees because, as you mentioned, they're the se- they're projected for the second lowest ownership on the slate. Um, I would expect to get to a pretty good amount of Oakland, even though I don't really love them just because they're not getting a ton of ownership. And I'd expect to be getting to Tampa because it, it works against the Tanaka ownership. Uh, Dan mentioned, he goes, I use Anderson and Kershaw and easily fit Astros and Braves. It's not too tough today. Like, my only concern with that beat would be is – you're, you might have a lineup that a ton of other people have as well. Yeah, that, that's the the issue you're going to run into. Like, it's the, the pricing on the Astros is so inexpensive, really top to bottom, that they're going to fit with every other stack, basically. So you're going to want to be very aware of exactly who you're using. Like, if you're stacking the Braves and the Astros, but you're using, like, some combination of Adam Duvall, Nick Markakis, Austin Riley... Guriel, Maldonado, you can be, you know, at least somewhat contrarian within those yeah. stacks. But if you're getting to just the main parts of both stacks, you need to be aware of that because even though your lineup's going to project w- really well, you're making it very difficult for yourself to win a tournament because you're going to be competing with so many teams that look almost the same as yours. Yeah, I mean, thinking about some of these low owned stacks, I mean, obviously the Marlins are, are the team that really sticks out to me. Yeah, it's just the, the the problem that I have with Miami is that for one, Ian Anderson, um, like he, he strikes guys out, he walks guys, hasn't given up a lot of power. So, you know, even if you are getting some base runners there, it does concern me that, you know, it's two points at a time. But the, the thing too with the Marlins is that typically the players you would want to play get a lot of ownership. And then the guys that are just terrible don't get much. So it, it pretty unappealing if you're, you're paying attention to the ownership. Like, you know, I, we, we talked about Dickerson, I think it's going to get close to 20% ownership. Uh, I think that if John Birdie's hitting second, he'll get some ownership because he's so cheap. So 
it's just that they are so cheap that I think the top of the order still gets ownership and then the bottom of the order is what's going to pull down the aggregate ownership. And I, I think that they are like clearly the worst offense on the slate. So I, I just, I, I hesitate to get to them. We didn't really mention about the the price points of Clayton Kershaw on Yahoo. He's 50, $52 on Yahoo. The next uh, highest is Ian Anderson at 45. Uh, then you've got 36 is Tanaka, 35 Lazardo. 32 Morton, 30 uh, Lopez, and 28 Paddock. Uh, it, you know, thinking about, you know, just in terms of what the price points are on Yahoo, do you like going to a $52 Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, I mean, I'm not avoiding it, but I do think the Yahoo pricing is really interesting because there's such a gap between Kershaw, Anderson, and then basically everybody else. Like, you're saving so much money by going to, like, a $3,200 Charlie Morton instead of a $5,200 Clayton Kershaw that you can pretty much do whatever you want with bats. Um, granted, the bats aren't really that expensive either. You know, Bregman's only $17, Altuve's $12. So it's probably not super necessary. Stanton's only $18. Um I think with with how cheap the hitter pricing is going to be, that kind of dictates how I feel about the pitching. And mm-hmm. with how cheap a lot of these hitters are, I still think that I prefer the the Kershaw or Anderson range because you're gonna like like if you save the money and go to Morton over those guys, for example, I think it's gonna just push you towards rostering the most expensive hitters, which is fine. But there's a lot of really good not expensive hitters too, so it just kind of makes me think that going Kershaw Anderson is still going to be the the way to go. Yeah, you, look, you don't have to spend all your salary either. I mean, right. you can ha- you can have money left over. Uh, in in terms of that, I, I think my only concern with Morton would be is, does he get more than five innings pitch? Right. That that's a very legitimate concern, I think. And um, you know, I think really both sides of that game, Morton and Tanaka, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all if once they're you know the second time through the order, if managers are kind of looking for any reason to get them out basically. So um, I I do have concerns about how deep those guys go into the game. I I think it's offset by their salaries, but it's another reason why, like I I don't view them as comparable to Anderson and and Kershaw in terms of range of outcomes, because I don't think they're going to have the same leash, but at their salaries, it's still fine, but I just wouldn't want to like, I, I think it's probably a mistake to essentially replace Kershaw with, Tanaka just so you can roster Ronald Acuna over Giancarlo Stanton, yeah. for example. Uh, Arthur says no pitcher has played to their value thus far. Is it wise to build a lineup based on elite hitters and ride with a bullpen pitcher? I mean, I'm not going bullpen pitchers. I don't, I don't know why we would be doing that, but um, as far as building around hitters, that's my tournament strategy in general. Um, I, I think that, Hitting normally wins you tournaments. Um, obviously, you know, pitchers can go out there and get a bunch of points, but but typically the gap between a good pitcher and just a, a pretty solid start from someone isn't really that big in terms of raw points. Whereas if you get a hitter that hits two home runs, it can be a 20, 30 point difference over uh, someone else. So typically I do build around elite bats and then kind of just go with whatever pitching works. But I wouldn't be using bullpen arms because as I mentioned before, I don't think there's any clear like bulk reliever going in today. And you're capping your upside so much by trying to get like a one inning or two inning reliever that you're hoping gets you like eight points. I, I don't see the reason to do that. What's your thoughts on uh, cash games plays in turn pitcher today? I think it's so I haven't built a lineup yet. My first the first thing I try to do would be get to Kershaw Anderson. 
Um, if that doesn't work, which I think it would, I don't really see why it wouldn't. You're still only spending on DraftKings, you're spending like 18K. You still have enough cheap bats. You know, like I wouldn't be afraid to take Dickerson at 2,900, even though I have Anderson, for example. Um, I think it should work. If it doesn't, then, you know, you can drop to like Anderson, Tanaka or something like that. But uh, my, my first attempt would be Anderson Kershaw. Uh, Johnny says, do you start your build around elite bats in a single entry? Yeah, I, I, I more or less play single entry similarly to how I play, um, mm-hmm. n- you know, larger fields. I, I value projection a little bit more, which will drive pitching up a little bit. But um, in general, I'm still mostly focused on on my bats in single entry. I, I just don't think that pitching wins you tournaments that often. Of course, uh, we did mention that today over uh, at awesome.com, our free premium content today for MOE is our MOB ownership projections and uh, looking on DraftKings, Ian Anderson, 55%. Yeah, a lot of ownership going there, uh, 44% going to Kershaw. So, you know, you do see, and, and Tanaka's up at 40%. You see pretty concentrated pitcher ownership today. I, I do think that's one thing, just kind of talking from a strategy standpoint, I, I don't think the ownership on any of the pitchers is like incorrect. But I do think there's a little bit bigger gap than there probably should be. I don't think the range of outcomes is drastically different for, for example, Masahiro Tanaka compared to Jose Arquiti or Pablo Lopez. You know, I, I don't think it's particularly likely that Lopez has a good start. Um, I, I think that he's going to project lower, but I don't think that like the strikeout numbers or strikeout projections is really that different for these guys. So I, I think that, while I understand why Tanaka is getting so much ownership, I don't think he should be getting three times the ownership of Rikidi or Lopez. Um, that's one spot you certainly can look to, to pivot in tournaments. Like, for example, if you have a lineup where you're stacking Tampa Bay or you're stacking New York and going against Tanaka or Morton, just getting Rikidi or Lopez and having basically the same build as the teams that have Morton and Tanaka, I think is going to give you a, a lot of leverage. Yeah, looking at the ownership on FanDuel, Ian Anderson, 33%, Clayton Gershaw, 22%, and then it's Tanaka at 19%. Um, thoughts? I, I think So on FanDuel, it's a little different, again, you know, because of it being the one pitcher. Yeah. I think that since there's only one pitcher, it pulls everyone's ownership down enough to where, you know, 33% for Anderson, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, 22 for for Kershaw, I think makes sense. And then you are running into the the issue that you had mentioned where these other pitchers have issues about it. Are they going to go six innings? Can they get the quality start? And so they they don't really have that same upside. I don't think that Anderson and Kershaw do. And also hitting pricing is cheap on FanDuel pretty much always. So you can, you don't really need to pay down for pitching. So I think most of my FanDuel pitching would be going to to Anderson and Kershaw. Uh, Whereas on DraftKings, you don't have that bonus for um, six innings pitched and you have to roster two of them. So, um, I think that the the ownership gap between the cheap SP2s on DraftKings is a little bit wider than it should be. Mm. Of course, uh, it all kicks off here just in a couple hours from now. Of course, we'll have live before lock here one hour before the first game at one o'clock. First game is at two o'clock. So you got to stay right here. Lock to Osmo.com all day long. Anything else you want to miss before we get out of here? No, just, I mean, I guess a, a reminder, it's it's always the case in tournaments. It's always the case, especially in baseball tournaments, and even more so the smaller the slates get. You're trying to win tournaments. You're not trying to make the best projected lineup. So um, if you are a little bit uncomfortable with the lineup you're playing, but it makes sense in terms of ownership and range of outcomes, just roll with it. You know, it's, you're not making, everybody has access to good projections now. So you're not 
making money in the long run by just playing what looks like the best lineup. So, yeah. you know, just kind of don't be afraid to, to take chances in tournaments and, you know, hopefully it pays off. Of course, good luck to everyone playing here today in MLB DFS. That is going to do it for the strategy show. Keep it locked here all day long to awesomeo.com. We've got shows coming for you all day long. So that's going to do it for today's MLB strategy show right here at awesomeo.com. <laughs>